first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Okay, just a couple of notes before we get started with this episode. First and foremost, I have to acknowledge the audio quality changes at some point during the recording, it's because we had an issue with the software we were using to record it, so then I just got frustrated after a few tries and said, fuck it, we're recording from Discord, and uh, that's how it, that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, but overall, it's a solid-ass conversation. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we're going to play all of our guests, our wonderful, wonderful guests in, with some of the music that was sent to me by Mothership Loudspeakers himself. And then you'll be in the keep with Celsion, Harp, and the other ML. Much love. Alright, we have the, uh, is this the whole cast of Dead Game here? I think someone did help with the writing, and he's uh, not here. That would be we have, uh, just uh, Matt. Can I jump in? Yeah. Sure. Okay, we have uh, the the basic team is the, the three of us: uh, me, Harp, and Zalcion. I hope I uh, say the correct username for both of you because I always read your username, but I never pronounce it before. So, <laughs> and we have. Uh, that's the three of us. We uh, decide uh, what what goes on in the game, and then we have a handful of external contributors for, let's say, voice acting, additional uh, review for the writing, uh, maybe something else in the future. But uh, as of as it stands now, uh, me uh, it's the one that had the original idea, and uh, Harp and Zalcian helps me uh, flesh it out. Uh, constantly, and they're very patient with what I what I do, um, and I have to be very thankful for what uh, they put up with, especially Harp, because he's the one who uh, makes the the constant uh, game dev thingy back to back with me. Coding, yeah, no, it's stopping the future creep sometimes, especially with like FPS stuff. You just want like. FX after effects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just for anyone listening who's not already like read the episode notes, the other mother here is Mothership Loudspeakers. So, hello. I guess let's just uh, kind of dive in and start talking about like 
what this game is. We covered a little bit of that in our short interview for Realm Steve, but since we're doing the doing the real podcast now, I'm sure a lot of new people are going to hear it. But just uh, start from there, and whoever wants to talk, go ahead. Okay, so uh, it's kind of tricky because the, the basic premise behind that game cannot be sa- uh, summed up in like five words or less. So it's... it's I'd not- say it's... Well, I'd say it's an adventure through like literal dead game, right? You're exploring the intricacies of an arena shooter and the actual lore, like you go through the canals for it. And that's how I see it. Yeah, pretty much. The, the story is that there is this, uh, the main character, this girl that gets uh, trapped into this abandoned arena FPS from the 90s by this guy who was a real aficionado of the genre. And then he wants to repopulate the, the servers for the game. <laughs> so um, I know that, he, yeah. <laughs> so he's so <laughs> desperate to do that, that he resorts to black magic. So uh, because this kind of game is a dead game, he needs to perform a necromancy. So he has to resurrect the entire game. And so he calls back, um, there is no players anymore online. So um, he uh, summons back the souls of many dead people that weren't involved in the game in any form or shape, necessarily. And and he used these souls as a replacement for the real players and forces, forces them to fight each other for his own amusement. And this is the basic premise, but since Harp correctly pointed out that this is just a bare-bones premise, because uh, after, after this, after the introduction, the, the gameplay actually plays straightforward, straightforward just like an, an, any other arena FPS from the 90s, mm-hmm. so there is not much innovation. So after a bit of an internal discussion, we decided to push more on the adventure side of the thing and less of the proper arena shooter side of the of the original idea. So uh, in the game, you start actually trapped inside the arena shooter. And what the player wants is to escape. And this is what basically what it's shown in the, in the first demos that we have released. But to spice, spice things up, we decide to actually make, make the player uh, manage to escape the game. The problem is that he's now stranded in the real world and he doesn't <laughs> know where he is. And most importantly, yeah, without spoiling much, it's a lot of dealings with the undead, but we are planning to return to the arena side as well. Basically, an in and out situation. Sometimes there's the arena, sometimes you're out of the arena. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Basically. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been um, playing the demo, and currently it just kind of. The gameplay at the beginning really just feels like, okay, I'm fighting bots in like Quake 3 or something. You know, and that's, that's dope. But I like that you're taking the taking that as a premise and then just expanding upon it. I think that's an excellent idea. And hopefully it 
I'm assuming this is mostly going to be driven by the narrative and less so by like, this is new gameplay that you've never seen before or am I missing something? Well, there is the, the gameplay itself is not that revolutionary, let's be honest. But so we want to push more on the narrative side of things and we want to have uh, to put some emphasis on the contrast between the real world and the game world. Uh, for mm-hmm. instance, uh, you know, in the game world, uh, you can do some things that you cannot do, obviously, in the in the real world. But, uh, apart from the from the usual that you can die and you can respawn, <laughs> but other, <laughs> thing, other things like you can strafe jump, double jump, and something like that, something that usually you cannot do in the real world. So, in the parts where you are stranded in the real world. We have decided to strip away disabilities from the from the player. So there are. Let's uh, let's see. Let's look at it like uh, the classic trope of you are in the game, and you are in the class in the level where you lose all your equipment and you have to start from scratch and move back from there. So you have uh, this renewed challenge of. Um, facing new enemies, uh, completely unarmed. You are not completely unarmed in the in the situation, but you don't have all the movement abilities, so it's really difficult to evade uh, incoming projectiles or attacks from the various enemies that we plan to, to add. And also we plan to... We are currently working on uh, adding new types of enemies. There are basically exclusive to the real-world scenarios, and that also will behave differently, will have uh, different stats, different attacks, attack patterns. Um, I don't know if I can spoil it yet. At least the type of enemy we want to add, if Harpy is fine with it. Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay, now I know it's you. You might be sleepy at this point in time. I'm sorry for the the uncomfortable timing of this interview, but anyway, um, we are we are working on these uh, security guards for the real world uh, part of the game. There are basically uh, security bots, and there are for now two types: a basic type that that behaves like a normal normal human. So runs around, shoots, it's relatively fragile. And then there's this bigger bot that is taller, more imposing, slow moving, and with a shitload of HP. And we've also experienced it with like a portable shield barrier. So you have to actually shoot the barrier to break it before you actually manage to damage, to start damaging the bot. So these are all things that in the arena world won't be present, at least for now. But we wanted to to add in the in the other side of the of the game because there is there is a reason why all these bots are in the real world. And I don't know if I can spoil it yet, but trust me, we will flesh it out. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a bit uh it's a bit medieval, I'd say. So like like Quake medieval like this kind of like Cthulhu, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is like Lovecraftian Victorian era sort of thing or like I'd say it's a weird. I know that's not really medieval, but like you know what I'm saying. Like 
Yeah, like a Pacific Islander. I'm not going to say much. The real world part isn't the typical uh, arena shooter setting because it's usually arena shooters tend to have this industrial um, slash sci-fi uh, setting, um, whereas these, at least for now, the real world scenario is more um, is more grounded in reality and it's set in this in this island where you get stranded stranded. And I don't want to spoil it much, but there is uh, the reason you you are stranded in the real world is that uh, you start the the game world starts leaking into the real world and vice versa so you have to jump back and forth to advance the story and also harp some day, a few days ago uh, sketched uh, a conceptual map for the future progression of the story because we want to have not just a linear progression of the plot, but also uh, we want to manage to add some uh, ways to backtrack some al alternate roads, routes to uh, maybe reach... Also, uh, also affect what you see based on what you choose in the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's not another thing that we want to emphasize more is the, is the option to choose your own path depending on what you want to do in the story there will be uh, certain events that will mm -hmm. uh, condition what uh, what you will be able to do uh, maybe what power-ups you will be able to unlock and stuff like that like for example i don't know if you have already played the, the first demo now i played the one that you gave me right before realm steve started off that's the last that i've touched Okay, so that's the, the latest build we have. Okay. And you maybe uh, might remember that in the very last map, you are facing a hacker. You're not facing uh, the bots that you, <laughs> fought, <laughs> you fought before. Yeah, because um, the hacker uh, original was more of a tongue-in-cheek uh, joke, but we decided to flesh it out more as a character because we the, the story is multi-layered so we have different factions the more you progress through the game the more you realize there are different factions uh, fighting each other and you are caught caught in the crossfire so for example the hacker has an actual motivation uh, for his uh, sub for his sabotaging of the of the game of the of the matches because in the demo, it's not real, uh, really clear. It's not explained why the hacker would have a bone to pick with the wizard, and the whole game. It's not well besides trolling. Yeah, you know. besides trolling, you know. <laughs> but there's other reasons. There could be. I think in the next demo, we're when we update, when we update this demo, he can become a friend. I believe so. And that's how I made it so far. Yeah. So what we were thinking about the plot and like how we're kind of like putting it all together and fleshing the world out is kind of using the uh, game world bleeding over into the real world and kind of having a bunch of paranormal X-Files type stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of like impacts each other and different characters will have kind of like different quests related to this and 
might not have any relation to the paranormal stuff. They might just be roped into it, but you know, I we think it's kind of interesting. Have uh, varying degrees of supernatural and just kind of general wackiness happening <laughs> with this uh, um kind of wizard with questionable decision making skills. <laughs> And how that impacts everybody else. Yeah. He's no real wizard. It's a really fun trope to kind of play with because, I mean, non-arena FPS players may not get this, but like you kind of, after a while, especially in these games like yours, where it's either dead or there's a really small community that meets up all the time, you really get to know these people, right? And then there's such a trope right now going on with horror movies with these sort of like webcam found footage esque movies that uh, play with that idea that like you're watching someone, maybe it's on Twitch or if someone you're interacting on uh, line with, like whether that be in a game chat or a discord or, you know, whatever the fuck. And then something crazy goes on in their life and <laughs> it starts to affect their gameplay or their, uh, the way that they act online too. <laughs> Who fucking knows? But yeah, that's, that's fucking interesting, man. That's really cool. Yeah, we uh, we kind of put like little secrets all throughout different levels and like hub worlds and whatnot, and the secrets are meant to flesh out both the uh, the world through like the web pages as well mm-hmm. as give you a uh, yeah we have little, little tidbits with characters. Yeah, we have a a custom internet browser, quote unquote, and uh, Rumbletron. He. Uh, <laughs> generates quite a few of these and uh, we're pretty sure uh, people can guess what our influences behind Rumbletron and his dialogue were (laughs) (laughs) I will just say that Rumbletron is the only character that doesn't have a dedicated voice actor I've (laughs) reused voice clips from uh, let's say a real person and processed them to have the Rumble Trunks voice, but I'm not gonna spoil it. If someone so my, manages, if someone my, manages to recognize it, it's it's all good. <laughs> my guess is like I don't know if you remember. There's an episode of South Park where they they have Chef like they're like making fun of him in real life because Isaac Hayes became a member of the Church of Scientology and got really mad about them making fun of Scientology. So then he like quit the show. So they just used old footage of him talking and just like really mishmashed all the words together. And the way it comes across is like him sounding like this fucking like brainwashed robot thing. Man, I remember watching that episode and I was like very sad. I was young then. I was so sad. I was like, oh my God, they killed Chef. (laughs) Those bastards. (laughs) I remember the episode, but I didn't know the reason why he was killed off in the show. Yeah, it was it was because of like real life. He, he was he became a Scientologist. You know, he, oh, he chose okay. his faith, and he was offended by <laughs> them making fun of it. So, <laughs> so that they just when he left, they just doubled down. Only <laughs> well, go big or go home, right? <laughs> yeah, that was my guess. That's what I thought. Kind of was the inspiration, but it, I, I'm assuming I'm wrong. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I tend to go on tangents, especially this hour of the night. But hey, that's so, where uh, tangents are good. That's that's so where guys, all the cool ideas. Our come game from. is nothing but tangents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so, are you guys all 
arena shooter players um, yourselves? Yeah, or? yeah. I I'm play not. a lot of. I've played a lot of Unreal Tournament with uh, maximum bots. My favorite setting is extremely slow mo, but all the bots are on the highest difficulty. So it sort of creates this like no medium difficulty sort of thing. It's it's I it's hard to describe, but it's fun. It's just like maximum difficulty on real tournament <laughs> have the game speed at its slowest and it's pretty fun yeah i my favorite of the bunch obviously if you can if you can tell from the game itself it's ut99 i'll be sound like i'll be sounding like the wizard right now but i promise i'm i'm not as dork as it is as he is uh, four years old in 1999 <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I found out why, while I was designing the wizard, I was thinking about um, what kind of wardrobe to give to him to make it look like a dork. <laughs> so I gave him this uh, big striped, uh, striped shirt with these weird colors that are uh, gray and violet and say, mm, yes, this sounds like, this looks like a dork's shirt. And then... I was making order in my in my own wardrobe, and I realized that I do have the same exact shirt in my own wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Oh no, I am a, I'm the wizard." <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, at least I have I'm like half the weight the wizard in the game is. <laughs> so yeah. at least my dietologist is happy about it. <laughs> well, yeah, wizards also got a explorer outfit. Like an Indiana Jones thing. Yeah, yeah, I have to, spoilers. to flesh it out. Harp designed this uh, temporary uh, little explorer outfit for him. So he has this um, khaki shirt, khaki short, uh, shorts, uh, Indiana Jones hat uh, for the island part of the game, you know. <laughs> and maybe I sh I I'll try the to to do the texture painting today because it, it's morning on my end so I have all the day uh, in front of me <laughs> and yeah I, I realized I have the, the wizard t-shirt in my wardrobe and I also have the, the major commando shirt the, the one with the big ass skull in the front too I remember if I remember correctly I got that one for a, a carnival party many many years ago you know, what'd be I, cool. I, I, ML. I really want to see that shirt. If uh, we do, we do what Pokemon did, and you could choose your gender. It'd be like Molly for women, and then Major for men. Could work. That's the thing I was thinking about. Yeah, yeah, it could work. Depends on what people want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you if you're up to it to help code the, the thing. Uh, it's fun for me. It's gonna be a lot of writing, though. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. It, just a little writing. It honestly, you just take the take the script and translate it into majorese, <laughs> and then you're good to go. <laughs> translate maybe into what? Surfer Bro. Maybe just settle. Just I mean, another mo one tangent and have uh, a part of the game where you play as Major instead of Molly. Yeah. Now this is internal talk. Yeah. Find the hacky sack. <laughs> yeah. 
It'll make your abilities totally radical, bro. Come on, go do it. Get the hack a sack. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zelcyon, did you have a background in arena shooters prior to this, or? Um, I, I did play a little bit of arena shooters as a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Mostly, yeah, it's funny. Uh, most people they. Uh, when they talk about their first arena shooter, it's usually like Goldeneye. For me, it was uh, The World Is Not Enough and Perfect Dark. Okay. Um, after that, no, I spent all my time playing Metroid and strategy games. <laughs> it's funny you say that because like th- those, it t- in my mind, are for sure arena shooters, but tr- from a traditional sense, like a, you know, like they're not Quake or Unreal, so it's just like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? But no, yeah. I get that. I actually yeah, I also started off with Goldeneye. Like, they're, they have a, a very specific type of I don't know, like game flow. Like in you go into like Doom, Quake, Unreal, they I mean they're they're all unique games, but they have like a very similar kind of core. This is how combat is supposed to flow and play right. out. Then you get into like Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, and it's it's a completely different combat flow. I actually yeah, went back recently and played Goldeneye, and boy, does it suck! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, the N sixty four, like I was a professional N sixty four controller user, but now I'm just like, this controller is a piece of fucking garbage, man! Holy right. Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I I played the 2010 remaster Perfect Dark on 360 mm-hmm. thinking oh yeah man I'm I'm like really really good at this then I fired up an N64 thinking like yeah man I'm going to smoke the living shit out of them <laughs> I got my ass beat cuz that controller sucks man it's terrible <laughs> it yeah, was awful <laughs> and then and and it's even funnier because then you get like a PC emulator version and dude Mouse aim, mouse aim destroys that game. You wreck the crap out of everything with mouse aim on that. A lot of yeah. people that I work with are like you know console players, and and I just can't get them to understand. Like I will destroy you, like not because yeah. I'm better. Like I'm sure you're a great player and all that, but just like because you you're using the wrong tool for the trade. Like, that's all. Yeah, yeah. So, I have one of my best friends basically is an exclusively console player mm-hmm. and i was talking about uh, about the game stuff and he it's kind of mind blowing to me because my le- my last console was the playstation 2 so <laughs> <laughs> i have a ps4 but it's just a netflix box <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he he basically wouldn't know how to aim at stuff at all. It's not that he's stupid. He's not stupid, but it's, he grew up with a different, entirely different muscle memory. So yeah. you expect the, the game to do a little big, a bit of work for you with auto-aim, aim assist, and stuff like that. Bullet Something magnetism. With, what? Uh, bullet magnetisms when you oh. if halo had it where basically the 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 enemy player would kind of like suck the bullet in a little bit oh, okay there's a friend of mine who basically against my will talked me into watching the like fortnite world championships with him one year 
Uh-oh. And there was this <laughs> team. It was like duos or whatever. I, I don't really understand all of what was going on. But they, while everyone else was playing PC, they were playing with PlayStation controllers. And I was just like, why? And they, I think they won or some shit. But like, it came down to like I didn't understand this about that game because I don't play it. But that aiming is like five percent of being good at that game. It's like all about the building and because their muscle memory was like with the controllers and that that's how they play it. And they were really good at it. And it was pretty cool, honestly, like not because I care about Fortnite, but because like I I'm always interested in the way that ways that different people play games or even just do things in general. I, I can't remember who it was recently. I had someone on the podcast who like paints. Actually it was the relentless frontier guys and their artist like, makes all of the models and characters and shit with a PlayStation two controller or some shit like that. Oh, wow. That's, That's how he learned how to do it. And it's just weird. But, <clears throat> but even you, you find arena shooters, uh, players with weird habits all the time. Like there's, you know, Rafa has the Russian style, like sits his keyboard in his lap when he plays or like uh rocket jump ninja and fatality, both play with inverted mouse look. Like oh, yeah. as if they were piloting an airplane when they shoot. It's just weird. That's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, it's I fascinating, but it's weird. Yeah, I have uh, a real friend of mine, a real life friend of mine. That uh, un- up until these these place closed, we used to go to these uh, let's say internet cafe, uh, gaming room, bar, uh, whatever oh. you want to call it, and we'd hop on on Overwatch and obviously on the computers. But he, he never used the computer. He always resort, always asked specifically for the PS4 controller because he doesn't want to use the keyboard and the mouse. And it, it was so bizarre. And actually, I have to admit, it was actually a bit of a handicap because he wasn't that good <laughs> on the game either. <laughs> so he was always pick the same character, the character that doesn't actually require any aim because he has a... A maze that flays flays around, flails around. So he just keeps pressing the same button and flays the maze around and hits the enemies <laughs> while we were watching him in disarray, you know. So what other games interested you guys? So um Harp and I are big fans of uh Metroid Prime mm. and the two of us kinda like uh I kind of went through the dialogue and he went through building the uh the actual stages where you could uncover more of the lore and also uh get more tools by finding um you know like different weapons like some of them you can actually use them to open very very specific switches that are only accessible with that weapon yeah as well as uh you know being a little creative with your movement um, you notice, like in the last, uh, the last map, there's like this key on a ledge, and until you figure out how to like master, you know, ramp jumping and all of that, you're not going to get it. But once you do get it, um, it opens up a completely new area that I don't want to spoil, but it's it's it rewards the player with uh, more fleshing out of the world and with more tools by exploring and getting creative with your exploration. What? year did metroid prime come out that was uh 2002 yeah i want to say like 2002 2003 it's interesting because like we kind of continually see these patterns 
resurface and like it seems like recently and within the past couple of years like all of the metroid prime people uh reach the you know the age where they start making their own games and they're all inspired by it like for instance um um effigy is a is a first person shooter metroidvania game and then there's uh vomitorium which recently came out and scumhead's other game lycanthorn there's there's quite a few of these i'm sure i'm not even aware of all of them but like a lot of people are just love that game and remember it from their childhood and just can't <laughs> help themselves. I'm still waiting on the Effigy demo to drop so I can actually try it because I'm very curious about it. Have you not played the uh, the Haunted PS1 version that came out uh, maybe a year or two ago? No, I think I watched the, the gameplay on Alphabet Gamer channel, YouTube mm. channel. I really but... enjoyed that first um, iteration of it because... I don't know, it just hit the nail on the head. But then I played a later build of it that, you know, like I, I talked to Nate every once in a while and he sent me a later build of it. And it, I think he's on the right track, but it's just like, it's going to take some time to really like nail down what he's trying to do. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a... Uh, there's a... Yeah, uh, oh, go ahead. Okay, okay. Because I think it's a bit of difficult when you don't want to make a game that follows a specific pattern but you want to mix up uh, gameplay styles of different genres. So you want to find some balance. You don't want to end up being maybe a clone of one or a clone of game A or clone of game B. So yeah, I can understand why he wants to take his time and make his own thing that takes a little bit of inspiration from one and the other, but ultimately uh, makes an original experience, you know. Yeah. The atmosphere was very good, at least for what I remember. I really liked the the presentation of the first trailer that he showed at the party. And I might be a little nitpicky in this moment, but I really liked the font choice trailer because it was the really the kind of fonts that was used in the late nineties for the trailer slash horror movies, you know, with the uh, eroded, trashed fonts, or the type of fonts that was really ubiquitous in the late 90s, I think, is the, the typewriter font. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the kind of font yeah, he used in his own trailer really reminded me of the opening sequence for the... What's the name? Uh, that movie 7. The one with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey. Seven. If you know the one. Is it seven? Yeah. Seven. Seven. Yes. That, yeah. That is a really interesting thing going on, though, with, like, the just... I, I was talking to um, the guys from the FPS documentary, and they had this theory that, like, everything sort of resurfaces itself, it resurfaces itself in the media on like a roughly like 20 to 30 year cycle. Oh, yes, yes. In the, in the 90s, you see these games that pop up that are all inspired by like, you know, the early 70s. 80s horror movies yes. and, and in the late 70s as well, like with Halloween. And I mean, with, I mean, tell me Caleb isn't, you know, and Duke Nukem aren't inspired by the Evil Dead and that kind of stuff. And and then yes. <laughs> we're doing it again. We're just continually, like all, all of these boomer shooters are kids that, you know, like our age, people like me, I guess, that played games you know 20 years ago that are now kind of resurfacing it's like oh we're just gonna keep doing that thing uh well i mean it's 
it's kind of like with uh, Perfect Dark and Command and Conquer, you yeah. know. Um, Perfect Dark, you know, finally getting a new game, and Command and Conquer, it the, the RTS genre just, you know, kind of like with uh, Dead Game and Arena FPS shooters. Mm-hmm. Or, you also got people trying their hands at a Deus Ex love letter, and that's a yes, and that's a quest. I would say that's a quest. Yeah, Cortican yeah. is one of those that's like, good luck, man. Uh, I wish you the best. <laughs> to re- <laughs> well, yes. Make sure every faucet works. Every faucet, every toilet works, okay? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes. uh, it's, it's kind of like with the, uh, the book series that I'm writing where it's, you know, that aspect of, like, Command and Conquer where the individual units have, like, their own character and, like, they feel like something that you would actually deploy in the battlefield as a countermeasure against something else. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, uh, you're starting to see, uh, new developments in like RTS games where people are starting to bring that back rather than, you know, the way it was from, I want to say like after red alert three, people kind of started turning RTSs into like MOBAs. If that makes sense. Like they, they felt less, distinct and more like a we're, we're trying to make a mobile game but we just don't want to admit it <laughs> you know yeah, you start to get the, the the lane battle sort of games like dota and, and stuff like that i there's c- consequently a another resurgence that i'm starting to notice with rts games like you, you have uh it stares back and you have uh, the frozenheim there's there's some good shit coming out that are like really harkening back to kind of that you know, I was really inspired by Red Alert. I'm like, oh shit! Well, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's like uh, um, the Command and Conquer series. It really did make like cool super weapons, and then that was the one part of like StarCraft and Warcraft I just couldn't get into because it's like, yeah, you know, you've got a nuke silo, but it takes out like two buildings. Yeah. Versus the Red Alert two nuke silo, where it's like, dude, half of his base goes poof. <laughs> Anyways, that's a that's that's enough uh, rambling about yeah, RTSs. I <laughs> uh, yeah, I I do agree with the guys at the FPS documentary with the theory of the thirty thirty years cycle of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, because you know you have uh, your memories from where you you were a kid, and you want to on your on a personal level you want to kind of revisit them and on a commercial level there is this let's say commodification of nostalgia because everyone it's one of the universal sentiments so it's very easy to exploit if done cynically so there is this is the same reason why i think there is also all these reboots uh, unnecessary sequels that basically uh, ran on the meager premise of remember this franchise you loved. Yep. Here is this franchise you loved again and again and again. That's so you guys said earlier about like oh finally there's a you know a new Command and Conquer or a new Perfect Dark and I constantly get into this with people who were like oh should id Software like make a new Quake game because they already made a new Duke or uh, Doom game and I'm just like fuck it make something new. Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, like, do something original. I'm, 
personally not so attached to the IP that I need them to like keep making the same thing over and over again, and, or not even make the same, but potentially ruin something that I hold dear to my heart. It's okay if they do. I'm just not going to play it. Like, I feel, actually feel bad for these developer developers that make these huge influential games because for the rest of their lives, people will always snag constantly on that specific thing and nothing else. Even if they have multi-decade careers, they can show off. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that, for example, John Romero will will be sitting at a coffee shop in his 80s and someone will approach him and said, oh, you're the guy who we do. And he will look at this stranger with tired eyes and said, yes, I made Doom, but I made even something else, <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it's kind of like with... Uh... Oh, go ahead. I was just listening to him on the Bizarre Cast like, earlier today, and he was saying that like, people get on to him online and they're like, how come you always talk about doom? And he's like, because people keep asking me about it. Like I have a million other things going on in my life. You know, like I'm a grandfather and I like make all these, I've made hundreds of games. Like, I think he's got like 150 games under his belt. Like people just keep asking me about doom. Um, when he was on bridge burner show, I was editing it. And they, the first thing bridge burner says to him is like, so let's talk about your early work, like Wolfenstein and doom. And he's like, Wolfenstein was like my 87th game. You know what I'm saying? That's it's insane. It's cool. I mean, I I would love to create something that lingers in someone's memory for you know going on twenty five, thirty years, but probably forever. Honestly, Doom is just like so cemented in the culture now at this point, especially because of the the remakes and such. But well, I mean, I get, like, I kind of uh, get what you're saying about it kind of lingering with you for your entire life, and you can never really like live up to something. Yeah, haunting you. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, I Frank Lepacki's kind of similar with, you know, his musical releases. Everyone mm-hmm. everyone remembers, you know, Command & Conquer, but nobody uh, remembers the fact that he did the Blade Runner game soundtrack, Legends of Kyandra, a whole bunch of other stuff. It's just... I, I think it's just one of those things where it's you, you can't really stop it, and if you, if, if you kick ass hard enough, it's just kind of like, well, that's just what I'm going to be remembered for. <laughs> I think the hope Please. is, though, that you do one thing that's so big that people who hear it or, or see it or whatever play it, they get into it enough that they're like, "Let's, ex- I'm going to explore everything this person did," like because they must have done other things. Right. And then you know you get like a bit of a trickle down. It's never going to be like I don't know, like Empire of Sin or whatever is not going to be John, what John Romero's remember for. But for the people who really like love the John Romero brand, they're going to check it out. And yeah. that's ideal. It's like a like a rock band putting out like that one big single, but like all the real fans know the deep cuts sort of thing. <laughs> I promise the audience that will listen to this podcast that I actually did other things other than the Unatco remix, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. The the Unreal Tournament stuff is really, really damn good and I loved the Ghost in the Shell stuff. Listen to his Ghost in the Shell stuff. <laughs> I actually come to hate my UNESCO remix at this point because it's actually a good track, but holy fucking shit. Everyone just talks about that one specific track that is at this point five years old. It's so tiring. So what got each so tiring into Crush is the best. 
the Crash remix. The what? The Crash remix. Oh man, I hate that one. It turned out like shit. What got each of you into your path as game developers? Like, how did that start? Me, I just tooled with Unreal for like two years. <laughs> Making my own project, my own secret one. I... Okay, sorry. I started doubling. Actually, my first experience with the... I don't know if you can call it game development. I was I was used to make maps for Unreal Tournament '99 when I was in middle school, and later <laughs> left the the thing. But around 20, 2018, I got myself Unreal Engine four because I saw online on YouTube that uh, a guy was making his own remake of Unreal one. So I wanted to help and jump jumped into into the new engine and started learning all the things, you know. Then later on I will I was join, asked to join the development team of a community community led uh, game that's also partially inspired by Unreal Tournament. Mm-hmm. And for like a year and a half I was the the main mapper. The one who made the materials. Uh, I helped with meshes, optimizing someone else's meshes. But later on, I was brought into other things. This project kind of uh, went into a grind into a halt. So it was at that point that I had the idea for that game. So I knew that Harp had some previous experience with uh, very specific yeah. things. That uh, I wanted to incorporate yeah. in the game, yeah, like the the, the dialogues, the dialogue system, the influence system, because I remember playing the very first demo of his secret project, like a couple of years ago or something. So I I had the original idea for that game came to me uh, like five minutes after I wake up. It wasn't planned in any way, shape, or form. And I said, "Damn, I want to try to make something with it." So I contacted both Harp and Salcyon and uh, gave them the, the, let's call the elevator pitch, the one that we talked about in the, at the beginning of this pod, podcast, and say, are you interested? Do you want to make something with it? And they said, yes. So here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I forgot to mention that my actual first... Uh foray into game dev was working with it's like when i was really young i was working with hammer editor just making max for tf2 and counter-strike so yeah me i just uh started writing in uh like 09 maybe when i was still in high school mm-hmm. had this uh big sci-fi universe I'd been building since I was like seven years old. Just kind of like wrote off and on and then I uh, mentioned to ML that I do some writing and after uh, fleshing out a particular weapon in a way he really, really liked, he said like, hey, you know, I'm doing a project. You should uh, hop on in and uh, do your thing. And I've been kind of doing my best ever since <laughs> this is the uh the first 
like full-on project I've done. So this is kind of exciting. It's been a learning experience, and you know, it's real cool to watch something build from the ground up, but from the inside. You said that you also write novels. Uh, yeah. Okay. Can you tell Very... us about it? <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to try to condense this as much as possible, because it is ridiculous big. Um, <laughs> very, very, very short version is you have a whole bunch of factions fighting around and farting around on an intergalactic scale. <laughs> and uh, the book series I'm writing right now takes place in that world where you follow through the life from start to finish of someone who is essentially responsible for the entire progression of history in this series. Uh, essentially, if you uh, kind of like went way, way back to like the Pharaoh Ramesses, and then you just kind of like watched his life throughout the whole thing, except he survives long enough until like now, today. So, you know, you watch the entire universe changed around him. He has to readapt to it. And then all those misadventures. That is the extremely abridged version. <laughs> I named my cat Ramses after Ramses the second. <laughs> A very fitting name. I mean, he's the ruler of the household. At least yeah, he passed away about a couple of years ago, but he was a good cat, man. I fucking love that guy. Definitely. Yeah. In charge. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've owned a cat before. I know how they can be. So that's cool, man. Like, do you? So, did you intend to like transition from? Well, first of all, are, like, have you published any of this stuff? Can I plug it in the episode notes? Like, um, no, I, 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 no, I mean, like, I haven't, I haven't finished anything. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry, I didn't didn't mean to come off as rude for a second. Um, I. Yeah, I just I just haven't finished or published a book yet. This has been a very long, ongoing process, but I've only really been writing seriously in consistency for about like three years. So you're taking the the Tolkien method and not the uh, C.S. Lewis method. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, um, cool. that's fucking dope, man. Yeah, it's it's been an experience and. You know, you gotta gotta learn and kind of roll with the punches. And if you find a really good community, um, the community I'm on right now with uh, book writing, uh, it's called No Sleep Till Book Done. <laughs> and they're, I mean, like they're 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 very serious. You'll you'll be on a team, and then they'll go, "Oh, we're doing a sprint. Hey, you chuckle fuck, you haven't written enough. Get get your ass in the sprinting room. We're doing it now." <laughs> so, did you consciously make the effort to like I wanted? transition and start like write video games or was it just like a, an opportunity or um it was an opportunity and okay. uh uh ml when he presented the uh the premise to me I'm like okay that sounds dope as fuck i want to do this <laughs> how'd you guys all meet uh oh, so we... okay no I'll let you start first Christian, because uh, i know welcome. where where i, I met myself <laughs> uh basically we uh we all kind of conglomerated on ml's discord hmm. and just, then you yeah, just interest in the game just, just like that looks cool i'll join that discord or 
Oh no, this is uh this is his um music Discord oh, for his YouTube yeah. channel. Okay, okay. Yeah, we have the secret bunker. We we closed the server off some time ago because too many freaks kept coming in and we had to wrangle them. So for now the tree house is closed. <laughs> yeah, we I have uh, no idea about that. Oh dude. Layla had to do so much freaking goblin wrangling. I I feel really bad for her. How about the Sailor Monkey? Oh, <laughs> I used to really care a lot about how many people were in the Indicube Discord. I was like, we need to get higher, more people, more people. And then at one point, I was just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck about these people anymore. Holy shit! Like, I I'm not saying I don't care about the people who hang out. Like, there's still an open invite on the. <laughs> On the in the heat website, but it just got to this point where I'm like, you know what, admins, ban first, ask questions later. I can't like I'm not gonna try to like sort out each of these individuals' problems anymore. Like can't do it because you know right. people oh, we start arguing about nonsense. I'm just like, holy smokes! Like if you just can't be a decent, normal person to begin with, we're not playing games here. <laughs> I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, they're oh, yeah. Discord as a game itself, not. A thing to communicate <laughs> important information. Oh, I've got so many opinions on that kind of thing. Oh, jeez. Well, it's even weirder when it's like a... To get back on topic about Dead Game a little bit, but like the communities of people who are really, you know, trying to keep a game alive, suddenly they start to be really tolerant of very poor behavior because they're like, well, but he's one of our best players. And I'm like, maybe he's the reason why nobody fucking hangs out here. <laughs> like, well, I don't know, ML. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, I, all I have to say on this subject is that Layla has the patient of a saint. <laughs> oh, yeah, she does. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, but um, up until now, the, the Dead Game Discord server has been relatively, let's say, chill. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's kind of different because... Uh, I have mainly, i mainly known if I want to use the term known because I don't want to sound too arrogant. I'm mainly known online for my music. And mm -hmm. So one could say, okay, I want to join this Discord uh, of uh, ML because he has a YouTube channel and where he shared his music. And so we want to talk about music and relax a little bit. Whereas the, the dead game server is a bit of a mixed bag, it still has to find its identity because since I'm not a game developer as the first thing, it's hard to translate and make an audience interest into something completely different from what you usually do. You know, I make music. If I come to you as an audience member and say, Oh, you know, I also make games. You can, they can say cool, but I also can say who cares because you know it's in the right. It's actually absolutely natural. I would probably say the same same thing to someone else, myself. So we have basically we have to build a new community from the ground up. We have some osmosis from the ML server to the DG server, but for the most part, is a completely new audience. Right, you need to build a, a completely... around dead game and not around 
your music, essentially. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We also have some other devs that we're getting osmosis from, like uh, Shod, right? Yeah. Yeah, Shodan from the Peripatia game. I think I'm the only one who actually managed to get the name right, the games, the game's name right, because mm. everyone. Oh yeah. By the way, they're saying... doing. Yeah, they're doing the. They're doing the quest also, by the way. Yeah. They're making the Polish Deus Ex. It's it's an interesting game. I hope they will succeed. I played Herpetia, the uh, Cit- I Citadel demo. That's like uh, really cool. I, it's essentially a full on remake of of the original System Shock. That one was really I mean, neat. I wrote the the name in the chat so you can read it and maybe check it out uh, later. Parapatia. But we showed that at Realm Steep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one. It's, let's say, kind of a mix. I don't want to uh, steal Shardaimon's Thunder over here, but I think it's a mixture of Half-Life 2 Beta and Deus Ex in terms of aesthetic. General feel of the game, even though the game itself it's purely an immersive sim. So, here's this is my blog for someone else's game. <laughs> I saw a funny picture where a guy drowned a sim in the game The Sims, and he called it an immersive sim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't spend the X point on swimming, that's for sure. I love a good dad joke. <laughs> An underappreciated art. By the way, it's really funny that you guys, you know, mothership. You're called ML because like everyone in my Discord calls me ML, and every time it's yeah, you, I'm just like, oh me, I, oh okay, that's right. I don't, I don't make yeah, I, you could, you can also, you could, might as well call this episode "Mommy Issues." <laughs> uh, I don't think I will. I think I'm going to call it "Dead Game" and be done with it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe "Mommy Issues" would get more hits if we put it up. Like, I'll put the video version up on like Pornhub and. Yeah. Call it the click big version, mate. Yeah. Oh, Maybe you can make an expansion pack and call it mommy issues. <laughs> Molly issues. I'm just gonna start doing the podcast naked and put it on my OnlyFans page. Like Major issues. Major issues. Oh man. Molly issues, major issues. Yeah. So do you guys have a, a timeline of when you think you'll have something like you know, are, are you going to do early access or just like a full on release or what, what's the deal? Full on release, we don't have any idea yet. We have uh, more or less the, the plot sketched out, but we don't have a, a, a fixed schedule to follow. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're working on the, let's say, we divide the story into chapters. So the ones available in the demo are chapter zero, the introduction, chapter one. The first duel against Major Chapter 2, where you are in the first lobby and you basically play against the hacker and on the King of Hill maps. So right now we're working on the Chapter 3. That's basically is going to be the the first pivotal point in the in the story, the one where you get stranded in the real world. So it it's really taking taking its own time because it's much larger in scope. Uh, compared to the first uh, three mm. chapters, zero, one, and two, because you cannot just copy paste the same gameplay loop, make some new map, 
and call it day, you know, because we have to introduce new enemies. Uh, we plan to introduce at least new weapon, at one new weapon. We are working on one big single map that acts like acts like a hub. So it's kind of a small open world uh, set on this island that you can explore. So the game feel shifts from Unreal Tournament to let's say Unreal One, where you're alone against the world and have to explore these ruins, these installations, and you have the occasional enemy encounter. But the emphasis, it's not as much on the shooting part as the previous chapters. So, I don't know. Harp, what do you think about it? What's the time schedule? The only only thing I have right now is that we're probably going to update the current demo just to fix some things, change a few things around. That's all it is, but I do have this like special pipeline that I talked about that makes it quicker to make maps. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's that a hammer to a OBJ thing. Do you think you guys will continue to kind of play around with the different um, known game modes in arena shooters. So, like for instance, you have different maps that are like capture the flag, maybe, or you already mentioned King of the Hill. Uh, there's team um, yeah, e- yes, yes, we are. Uh, it has something to do with uh, Nevada, a certain city within Nevada. So, and you'll see how it changes the game modes a little bit. Oh yeah, interesting. I think I'm more yeah, we don't want like, to <laughs> hearing the story of the game like I want to read it as a novel almost before it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we want to keep some elements of the arena genre in the game itself. Anyway, we don't want to be completely apart from that. So even for a simple uh, point of view, the demo doesn't feel too different from the complete game, you know. So we want to have this nice alternation between arena shooter parts, single-player adventure part, so to spice, spice things a bit, you know. But yeah, we want we will have at least capture the flag. We will already have at least one map, all finished for it, and who knows what the future will hold. What about yeah. like Instagive and Clan Arena? Because I feel like if you introduce Clan Arena physics into the game, suddenly things could get really fucking cool, right? Yeah. We have... Go ahead. Okay. Harp uh, had, had an idea about that. I don't know if he wants to spoil it or nah, not. Nah, let's not. Let's not, dude. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's keep it under wraps for now. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and also another thing that I want to address now is that at the moment we don't have any plans for any online multiplayer because the story and the game takes all the effort and all the resources. So, but if, if we do, no- but if we do, we have a blueprint for something truly unique. Yeah. As I just said, as I said. 
<laughs> we've we've got a couple ideas going and kind of focus in on like individual chunks first and then like attack them all at once if that makes sense yeah yeah we don't want to have a straight up quake or unreal tournament clone you know because at this point what's the point of playing the clone if you want if you can play the original you know so even with something is you know as basic as the arsenal we already have some made some departures from the usual quake uh, weapon set for example there is no rocket launcher in the game you might hate me for that but there is no rocket launcher there is just a grenade launcher with a shotgun the shotgun (laughs) the shotgun has actually a huge knockback so if you played uh, team fortress 2 you can use it just like the shotgun from the i think it was the scout right the one has the force of nature shotgun yeah so you can put at your feet and use it to do the, the rocket jump but with a with a shotgun so you don't... Actually... what i've i've actually managed to get myself onto ledges i wasn't supposed to use in that shotgun it's it's <laughs> pretty useful it's pretty cool yeah <laughs> i'm pretty sure you were supposed to go there but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i i mean like I got stuck on, like, a torch mounted on the side of the wall. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, one hand's you. like, hey, the shot, the shotty jump works. <laughs> Just wanna we're leaving that in. Give, give a quick reminder. We're, we're now past the time frame you guys gave me, so at, at any point. I'm, I'm not saying we got to go, but, like, I, I try to be respectful of y'all's time, and I know Harp's got to get to sleep at some point. Yeah, at least to catch some sleep. Poor guy. Yeah, I'm actually not sleepy at all. Oh shit! Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Talk as long as you I'm want, just. Man. I'm not trying to get rid. No, no, no. I think we just we just ran out of content to say. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah, I really like. I, I, mostly, the the m- number one cool thing about this game is like this, this is a really interesting story. I mean, especially for fans of arena shooters, because you're playing on so many tropes that we constantly deal with every day. And I simply find it <laughs> really amazing and fascinating that you came up. As soon as I saw, I think it was a guy named Igrek Simon, who actually does a lot of music for the podcast, posted this game in our Discord. And I was like, whoa, that is so cool. And that's why I reached out about Realms Deep, because that must have been shortly there before or after. But, yeah. well, that's, so that's why I was we were invited. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I literally just like, it's always a stream of consciousness thing for me. Like, I'm not... Obviously, if I were doing this because I'm like, oh, what's the hottest, newest thing out there? Like, that's not how it works. It's like somebody tells me about a really cool looking indie project, and I'm like, oh, that is cool. I'll reach out to them. Like, it's <laughs> I'm like a, a kid with ADHD or something. <laughs> no, we were very happy to be invited to Realm Steep because I remember, let's say, a couple of weeks before receiving the invitation, I was talking to someone else and I was asking, I was invited by Zach, but yeah. I wasn't asking Zach in this case. I was asking Shod, uh, what was the uh, procedure to submit a game to Realm Sleep? And he said, um, as far as I know, it's invitation only. So I said, oh, okay, in a defeated tone, because I wouldn't think that I we were 
we were going to be invited later on, you know. So I was very, very happy when Zach reached out to me with the Real Sleep invitation. That's how I knew about your game. I I I feel like you're you're definitely right. Zach is probably the one who reached out and said, like, hey, you wanna do this, but he, because I was more focused on let's get the the non arena the non boomer shooter titles in this year like i and obviously i was showing off call of seregnar for in the keep games and then also like there were a bunch of other really cool like the rts games that i mentioned just a lot of stuff going on and i was also dealing with more of the publishers this year but the Mm -hmm. procedure for anyone listening to get into realms deep is either i or zach invites you that's about 99 percent of the way or you're part of one of the publishers who 3d realms is close to that's really what it comes down to yeah, Zach is a saint. I don't know how he can manage to keep track of all these projects at the same time. <laughs> he, he probably has like a scheduled time in the day where he goes, okay, I'm going to go into the deep end. I will not return for the four hours. Yeah, that scheduled think... time is from the moment he wakes up to the moment he closes his eyes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I I something it. like that. Because I remember listening to Kim appearing on the, in the Keep podcast and he said something about like he has a few websites he uses the references that he checks out uh, every day if i remember correctly but mm-hmm. i might misremember so he he's always up to date to all the new indies coming out or under work he has a master like excel spreadsheet of every single game like this that he comes across and like I think it's pretty detailed, like release dates or like expected release date, you know, obviously. And that's, I mean, but for his magazine, that's why they're doing it. So like they have yeah. to keep track of all this stuff. And then it so that is the NSA of the indie games, basically. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, man, this has been really fun. You guys are always welcome. Any of you are always welcome back on the show. I especially would love to touch back, you know, touch base again whenever the new demo comes out or whenever you guys start uh, getting ready to publish anything would be fantastic. But just anytime you want, really, I don't care when I just want to talk about something. And thank you for your patience for the technical issues. Part of the job. Yeah. It's not none of your faults. Yeah. It's nice talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having us on, man. Hopefully next time during the day and we we can make the one European guy like, uh, he can suck it (laughs) instead of all of us. As I already said earlier, music this week is by Mothership Loudspeakers himself. I hope that you guys uh, go check him out. He's, he's got a YouTube channel and everything where you can hear all of his music. It's actually, a, you heard it in the conversation, but mostly what he's known for. Um, all of it's dope. He gave me a whole album to pick songs from, and this is the one I landed on. I, I don't know why, it just vibes with me. But, uh, you know, as always, thank you to everyone who supports the show. I'm not going to read everybody's names off this week. I'll, I'll probably do it next time. Uh, but you know that I love you all. Um, if you're interested in supporting in the keep in any way out there listening, of course, just go to our website, check out all of our shit, you know, and we have a few different ways that you can support. We got merchandise, we got t-shirts, but you know, anything that's on Redbubble, grab something if you want it. Um, a little bit of that will come back to the production of the show and supporting everything that we do here. And of course, 
I, I need to, it's been a while since I've really addressed this, but I do have uh, ideas for what the shows coming up are going to be. I'm thinking about doing some panels, like more panels, because it seemed like the, the music one we did for Realm Steep was kind of a big hit, and uh, I'm curious to see what you guys think, so just feel free to like, hit me up on Twitter, or write us back, or you know, if you're in the Discord, let us know there. But uh, I'm thinking about doing a sound designers panel, like people who just make sound design. So like get Marky Music in, or you know, like uh, uh, Jonas and Mountus from 3D Realms, and then Ben from Call of Seregnar, that kind of thing. I don't know. I'll hit everybody up and see what they can do. And then perhaps another one um, would be like a voice actors panel, and I think that could be really fun. But you know, hey, if you have ideas, feel free to throw them at me. I can't promise I'll do all of them. Uh, I won't promise at all. But you know, if you if you hit me with something that really vibes with me, we'll go try that out. I don't know what to say. I don't know what next week's guest will be. I'm going to figure that out uh, sometime between now and then. And I just want to let y'all know, if you're out there and uh, feeling lonely or whatever, who knows? You know, it's been a really weird time, you know, all this crazy isolation. I don't want to get into that in a political sense. I just mean, like, whatever you're going through, um, there are people who care. And uh, I've been very blessed that uh, during the times that got hard in my life, I had people I could lean on. And you should know that you always have us. You have In the Keep. I'll be there for you every week. You have the Drowned God Cathala. Until next time, stay in the Keep.
Thank mm-hmm. you.